Hey, everyone. It's great to see you guys this afternoon, and thank you so much for being here today. There's a lot of people that are going through a lot of difficult things right now, including our nation. We're fighting a lot of battles on a lot of different fronts, and a lot of people are looking for answers of what to do, what's God saying, and, you know, what should we do, how should we respond. I can tell you right off the bat, the best response is a heart that's committed that never shrinks back in the midst of adversity. It's our faith, it's our strength not failing in the day of adversity. And it means that we understand that God uses us to transform cities and nations. I taught this to you before the election, and I want to reiterate that the righteousness of God's people exalts a nation. Righteousness exalts a nation. When we speak life and we speak blessings, a city is exalted. And so God, in the midst of all the chaos and confusion and misunderstandings and misidentification and what's coming down the line, there's a lot of sadness, there's a lot of heartbreak, there's, there's even people really rejoicing, thinking that everything's okay. But in the midst of it all, it's so important that we have God's heartbeat and know what he's saying. It's also important that I, as your pastor and your leader, give clear instruction and direction and guidance into the Father's heart and what I believe he's saying and doing in this hour. You see, God fixes his eyes on his people. It doesn't mean he doesn't care about the world or the nation. In fact, he gave his life for the world so that all the world would be saved. But God holds his people to a higher standard and to greater accountability. It doesn't actually surprise me to see the world spinning out of control and into chaos. I've been saying that most of last year. People are in fear. People are in darkness. People are fleeing and running in terror, even when no one's pursuing, Proverbs 28.1. But the righteous are bold as a lion. And this is a time where, yes, there's great heartache and misunderstandings and uncertainty, and the world is divided. And you have even people that claim to be strong leaders proclaiming healing, but they'll never be able to bring healing because without Jesus Christ in the heart of man, you'll never see healing and reconciliation. You'll only see behavior modification and you'll see bedazzling words that sound good and tickle your ears, but bring no life. But God has a better plan, and God has a church, and God has strong leaders. The sad reality is that people are apathetic and cynical towards even the church, and at the end of the day, the attack and the battle is going to turn against you. It's going to turn against me. We as God's church will be deemed intolerant, will be deemed discriminatory, the, the big tech companies of the world will do all they can to silence you by deleting things, and we've already seen it right now with Parler. The sad reality is at some point you're going to have to give up your iPhone, which I don't really want to do, but I knew a long time ago when it has a picture of a bite of an apple, at some point it'll go down. The problem is it's got some of the best technology, my laptops and my phones, but at the end of the day, even though... The, God will bring to foolishness the wise of the world, right? But our response and how we respond is so important. It's easy to condemn the world, but Jesus didn't even come to condemn the world. You know why? Well, but because the world's already in crisis. The word condemnation means crisis in the Greek, and it means that anybody without Jesus is in crisis. Anybody without Jesus is in crisis. You may not realize it, you may not understand it, and even atheists think they're good and Satanists or worshipers of other religions all over the world. But I can assure you, in the, in the hearts of people that don't know the Lord, there's confusion and misunderstanding and misidentification. And we are the ones that are called to raise our voice strong and to make our voice heard and to point God's people. God appoints shepherds that are held to even a higher accountability and standard than even God's people at large. The Bible says I'll be held to even a greater responsibility, which means I have to speak the truth. Now, not everybody's gonna like the truth and to some people it'll be deemed offensive. And, but at the end of the day, all the truth that God speaks and I'll even speak is in love and it's designed to cover you and heal you and protect you and redeem you. Even God's judgments are designed to bring justice, which in turn has mercy sprinkled in it to save and heal people. God doesn't wanna destroy anybody. He wants to purify people. He doesn't want to destroy the nations. He wants to purify the nations. I got a word before the election that really brought a lot of comfort to my heart. And the word was, the United States of America belongs to me, to the Lord. So I had this word that I understood no matter what happens, this nation belongs to him. 
But what it takes to become what he wants and to get there is another story. God's raising up a remnant church that will not compromise, live in sin, live in deceit and deception. He's raising up a remnant church that will never give up and aren't looking for nice, comfortable, tingly ear churches that will fight in the face of adversity no matter what's coming down the line. This church will meet and gather no matter what adversity's come in this, unless it gets blown away by a hurricane. And we have had, a, we did have a service where a hurricane hit on a Saturday night. Hurricane Hannah forced me to do the live stream from one of my elders' living rooms because he's the only one that had internet for me to do a Facebook live that morning. But you know what? My voice was heard and God's voice went forward no matter what we face. We're gonna stand together, but the biggest atrocity today is not in the White House. The biggest atrocity today is weak religious leaders that don't know how to point God's people in the right direction and people are confused and their hearts will grow cold in these end times. That's why God wants a remnant church, a remnant church that will never give up, never shrink back, never back down, that understands the full character and nature of God that doesn't live in compromise and that's who we are. That's why Revelation 3.16 says, I'd rather you be hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I'm gonna spit you out of my mouth. And I don't want any of you getting spit out of the mouth of Jesus. I don't want any of you lukewarm. So the lukewarm will either change and get flamed on or they'll run out of the back doors and never come back. I don't want that either, but I wanna flame your heart on. Jesus wants you hot, not cold. But hot looks like something. It's not hyped up, it's not pretentious. To be hot means I'm in constant pursuit of the Lord. I'm zealous for him. My eyes are on him. I'm not erroneously judging or tearing down people. I'm doing things the way that Jesus would do them. The world is in complete division and crisis. Here's what's even worse, is the people in the world think they have the ability to bring healing and reconciliation, but they don't because they don't have Jesus. Think about God's church. It's divided, and we should be the ones that are full of healing. So God's going to deal with his church first to bring healing and reconciliation. And the churches that aren't real remnant churches will be judged and will be dealt with by God the Father. That's why you don't need to be tearing down, speaking negative, ripping up other denominations. God God is the Lord over his church, not you and me. He's the Lord over this church and he's the Lord over our lives. But when justice becomes twisted and distorted... And when the line between right and wrong is blurred, and when leaders become corrupt, people become frustrated, discouraged, and hopeless. It's easy to become discouraged, frustrated, and hopeless when you look at the world system and when you look at what's been happening politically and governmentally and in the world around us. The greater atrocity is when God's people aren't living to the standard he's called them to live and the churches are filled with people in the pulpits that are tingling your ear and not holding you to the standard in love of God's righteousness or will never be a remnant. And when the judgment comes, it's gonna be a bad day for us and them. Most, many people, most Christians right now do not know what's coming, what to do, and many people's hearts are growing cold or in fear because of doubt, uncertainty and what they're seeing even in the pulpits from a lack of authoritative, confident, bold, courageous leaders pointing the way into the future. That's why I, as your shepherd and as your pastor here at Rock City Church, will make it a point to challenge you, get in the trenches with you, fight with you, get in your boat with you, but you gotta get in this boat too. Jesus put 12 people in one boat and said, Sail together through the storms, through the hardship. Get in a boat and stay there. We need people that are committed. Remnant people walk in covenant promise with God. I'm gonna teach you about what it means to be a remnant believer and a remnant church. But we're living in chaotic times. The most destructive thing is when you have religious leaders that are living in compromise that aren't showing the way accurately or are prophesying inaccurately with false prophecies, false, re- false revelations, false truths, and then pointing people to look at things in this world that are not of the Lord. You'll never be able to war as a good soldier. In fact, the apostle Paul said, 
Do not entangle yourself with the cares of this world and the affairs of this world so that you can fight right, so that you can please the one who enlisted you as a soldier. You see, Jesus is a lot of different things. He's a general. He's a military leader. He's a gardener. He's a bridegroom. He's a best friend. He's a lion. He's a prince of peace. Jesus is a lot of different things. My heart and desire is that this church would embrace the fullness, the holistic nature and characteristics of who God is, not just have a part. I want to fully be a, a remnant church that accurately portrays and reflects the full nature of who Jesus is. Don't you? That means you got to know him. Some people need a kick in the crack. Some people need a big hug and love. Some people need both. Remember, Jesus said, what will I liken this generation to? People are asking for signs. Here's the only sign they're going to get. Children are going to be singing in the marketplace. They're going to be singing a funeral song and a wedding song. And nobody's weeping and nobody's dancing. That's an atrocity, and Jesus isn't okay with it. So how can you weep and laugh at the same time? I'm weeping because I'm broken for the reproach of children, fatherlessness. I hear the voice of Thousands and thousands of young girls who got filmed having sex and now got put out on the internet for revenge porn. That breaks my heart. And they're crying out to God because they want to kill themselves, and many have. And all the while, we sit idly, and God's hearing the cries of the hurts and the pains coming up to heaven. I cry for the little children that are being beat and abused and the pedophiles. I cry for those who are being human trafficked and sold into slavery. And I cry for the injustice, even filling God's pulpits, not teaching the people to live holy lives in passion and confidence, full of power and life and wisdom. And God sees it and hears it all. But what blows my mind is how the Lord can be so patient. Because he's coming back and a day of the Lord is coming. And the prophet Zephaniah, who we're gonna study today, which I believe we're in the days of Josiah's and Zephaniah's, Raise his voice to make it clear, a day of the Lord has come, it's not gonna be good. But for the remnant church, he'll protect and cover you. And actually, what will happen to you will be glorious and beautiful, full of rejoicing and songs and worship and safety, and the wealth of the wicked will be laid up for the righteous. This is all Zephaniah. I'm gonna teach you about it in a moment. But it's vitally, vitally important that all of us understand God has our eyes, his eyes on us, we are held to a higher standard and we can't just keep blaming the world for all the problems. It's jacked up, it's been jacked up and any system not of the Lord, he will tear down. But this nation, God made a promise belongs to him. This nation belongs to the Lord. And God has a way of rescuing and redeeming the nations and who does he look to to do it? So silence, neutrality is not okay. But being distracted and not understanding what matters the most is not okay either. People are discouraged. They're frustrated and they're hopeless. But for us in the kingdom, there's always hope. Though it may seem like you lose, you never actually lose. I was having that conversation with Mark. You may lose temporarily. The 24 elders and the living, the 24 elders with the living creatures cast their crowns, they lost. But guess what? They didn't care because they actually win. And you have to cast your crowns at the feet of Jesus and understand what matters the most in this day and this hour. And then we have to make our voice heard and deal with the religious corruption. Because if we want to change political corruption, and it's, it's going to get more difficult, I don't know when, in a year, two years, five years, maybe tomorrow. And that's why we're building a house and a family and we're preparing. I loved our conference. It was incredible. Balloons dropping, incredible worship, awesome preaching. But conferences don't build a family. They invest into a family. This is what builds a family. Foundations and truths. People that even when they're home and sick, they're watching online and they're in agreement because the Holy Spirit can move right through that video camera into people's homes through TVs and God, God is between us by his spirit anywhere we are. When religious leaders fail, discouragement can turn into apathy and cynicism. Skepticism, cynicism, and apathy is the greatest enemy to the church. 
The word skepticism or to be a skeptic is the exact word for scorpion in the Greek. And when skepticism stings you with the scorpion bite, suddenly you stop worshiping, you start questioning everything, your heart grows cold, you pull away, and your eyes are on the world and not on the Lord, and you're not building family. That's an army to bring change on the earth as it is in heaven. I'm sorry for what happened to you in the past. I'm sorry for those leaders that hurt you. I'm sorry if you were judged erroneously. I'm sorry if shame was put on you. All of us have to go through that. All of us have to battle through Saul so that we can find the Davids. And it's God, God is the one that ultimately puts you through the process instead of you trying to pick and choose, that's a Saul, that's a David, that's a Saul, that's a David. What we have to understand is there are religious leaders that are full of apathy and are not confident and bold with their eyes on the Lord and they're reproducing cynicism in the hearts of people. The key is for you not to become cynical and apathetic. You know why? Cold heart. And the enemy's working hard to blur the lines between truth Lies and unrighteousness and righteousness. Most people aren't reading their Bible. They don't know what God's saying about things. They don't have clear direction. And sadly, when the pulpits are that way, we got a problem. But God has a better plan. It's called a remnant church. Just as in the days of Zephaniah, God is raising up a remnant church. I love you, but we all have to get into the process of correction and measurement. We all have to live holy and righteous. God puts the standard in place. It's not just okay to keep living in compromise all the days of your life. I'll walk with you, we'll be patient with you, we'll care for you, we'll go through the process with you. Love covers a multitude of sins. But at some point we get our crap together with our eyes on the Lord and we stop living in unrighteousness. Unrighteousness in a world of unrighteousness is not okay. Here's why, you look and sound just like the world. What's the difference? So people come into this church or watch on the live stream looking for hope and answers in a world of darkness and they find the same thing they find in the world. Apathy is rejection. How many people have rejected? More and more people as we move forward will reject the local church. You know why? Because the Bible says broad is the road that leads to destruction and narrow is the road that leads to life and there's few that find that. In the definition of remnant means a small minority. And my heart is to prepare you to never grow cold in your love and to stay more fired up. Because as much as you may hear me sing a funeral dirge today and our hearts should break and we should weep and cry, I'm also singing a wedding song. And guess who's blowing trumpets over you and singing right now in a wedding song? I'm gonna show it to you in Zephaniah. The Lord will rejoice over you and sing over you. You're never hopeless and you're never stuck. We're not a tail, we're the head. So I'm gonna play the flute and I'm gonna play the blues. So how can you play the blues and play the people? What's like, man, I don't wanna come to church and hear bad news and God's gonna judge the nations and his consuming fire is gonna mess up everybody that's jacked up and it's not gonna be a good day and the day of the Lord's really, really bad. Funeral dirge. You can't turn a blind eye to abortion. I'm not gonna stop praying to end abortion. What, what happened to the repentance thing in 2020? Was it a three-month repentance moment? We repented, we had a day of repentance in Corpus, we had a huge rally in DC, we had repentance all over the nation, does it stop? I'm repenting more today than I've ever repented before. I'm not repenting in fear and anger, I'm repenting because I see the jacked up brokenness not only of the world, but the church not taking its rightful place but I'm not hopeless. Woo, the church is gonna take its rightful place. But we have to break apathy and cynicism. We have to break skepticism. We should expect religious leaders to have answers, right? Don't we come to church to find answers? Shouldn't God's shepherds on earth point the way to truth? Should they? We should have answers. We should give direction in time of crisis. Bring hope in the midst of hopelessness and speak God's word directly to the world around us. This is what the prophet Zephaniah did when the religious leaders were corrupt and chose not to do those things. The prophet Zephaniah lived during the final decades of the southern kingdom of Judah of its reign during the king Josiah. 2 Corinthians 22 and 23, King Josiah Man, King Josiah was a rock star. The guy was militant. He was aggressive. There was no king ever like him. In fact, his very name 
Josiah means the Lord heals and brings healing. So I'm looking for Josiah's. The problem with Josiah, in the last days of his life, he got prideful and led Israel into a battle with, the Babel, with Babylon that wasn't designed by God, and he got killed. But he was still, there was no other king ever like him, ever. King Josiah didn't get a good start either. When King Josiah inherited the kingdom from his corrupt father, Ammon, who inherited it from his dad, Josiah's grandfather, Manasseh, he had inherited from a family line of complete and utter wickedness. It's a good thing that King Josiah was put into place when he was eight. Because chances are highly likely if he was in his 20s when he became king and didn't get good guidance and direction from a few people, he would have been just exactly like his dad and his grandpa. Manasseh and his dad Ammon were so wicked that people chose to follow idols and literally brought idolatry and made statues of false gods and put them in the temple. The entire nation was sold out to idolatry. No one even had the book of the law and there was no reading of the book of the law when Josiah got put into being the king. And it wasn't until he was in his 20s that somebody found the book of the law brings the book of the law and reads it for the first time to Josiah in his 20s, he rips his clothes in repentance and says, I'm gonna do something about this injustice. You can read it. It's an awesome read. If you like aggressive and militant and taking all the astroth and Baal worship and every idolatry in the land, just slaughtering the wicked priests and burning their bones and throwing the ashes in the river, if you're all about that, which I am, I like that, Right, if you, and, but see, the thing is with Josiah, Josiah, and, and maybe I'll teach you, and we'll go through it next week if God leads, but Josiah, the heartbeat wasn't to just destroy the false worship, it was to restore true worship. You see, if you stay in the destructive side without the reconciliation side of worship, worship is a clear identifier of your heart. Worship is a clear identifier of where you are spiritually. That's why I tell you, I don't care what you did, where you went, you better get those hands up. This is a Holy Ghost stick up. Stop living in shame of your past. Lift your hands up because how many times did I walk into God's house hurt, broken, jacked up, screwed up, messed up? I went to the clubs in my early days. I drank, I got high, I slept around. But on Sunday morning, I drug myself into church. And you better believe I lifted my hands to God because I understood that the tax collector who went into the temple, broke, busted, disgusted, in agony and pain and beating his chest before God for mercy, he was the one that was heard not the really righteous good person. That's why if you didn't listen to Rob Carmen's message last Sunday morning at the second service, they're both good, but I'd listen to the second one just one more time. The devil will do all he can to keep you back. You don't need to go. You don't need to gather. You don't need to serve. You don't need to volunteer. You don't need to show up. But see, if you'll go one more time, See, my life was filled with times of one more time when I didn't want to go, when I didn't feel good, when my flesh was crying out. But see, I knew where the answers and the hope was. I knew where I needed to get around family and around people. And in the early days, they were really jacked up, teaching me false religious ways that weren't the Father's heart. But I knew if I just kept showing up, I would find the hope. And see, God saw when I was used and abused. God saw when I was misidentified and slandered. God saw when the person had the adulterous affair and the church cave. God saw when the person robbed the money, but yet I kept my mouth silent and I loved and I prayed and I stayed the course. King Josiah was living in a time when God was, had made the decision to wipe Jerusalem off the face of the earth. He said, I'm gonna, it's written in Zephaniah, God says, I will wipe Jerusalem off the earth like a, like a man wipes a plate clean. Why? Children were being sacrificed to Molech. You had child sacrifices in Israel. The, the level of 
hurt and pain and injustice and the cries going up to God would cause him to raise up somebody like a Josiah and a Zephaniah. He literally said, my people will go into captivity and I will sell them off and this nation is done with. They were too far gone. They would worship other gods, sacrifice their children, and it was entrenched in their daily life. And guess who God really blamed? The religious leaders and the priests and the judges and the scribes and the princes. We said, God, hold the world accountable. God says, no, I hold my people accountable because you, you do know better because you know the better. But there was no king like King Josiah. No king ever like King Josiah. Do you know that? Look what God says. I would like God to say this about you and me. Second Kings 23, 25. Now before him, Josiah, there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, and with all his might, according to the law of Moses, nor after him did any arise like him. You want to find out how somebody could get that title? Go read about King Josiah. He was not playing games. He was not playing games. I want the heart of a Josiah. Don't you? In Josiah's time, Zephaniah, the prophet, has been prophesying, and he reassures us that we can still trust God when the worst seems to be happening. The day of the Lord is coming, and he will severely punish the nations, including his own people and the leaders who have fallen into apostasy. But even in the midst of it all, God would still be merciful. Impending judgment for sin is coming. God has clearly warned us in his word and by the prophets of old. Guys, come on. Why are we surprised? And God's gonna do something about it. He's got a plan. He's not caught off guard. He's not sidetracked. He's not sleeping. He's not focused on another nation more than he is your heart and this church and this city. Even in dark times, our faith can still burn brightly. God calls us to repent and to seek him while he still may be found. Isaiah 55, there's gonna come a day where he can't be found, but that's not right now. And I don't know when it'll be, but the day of the Lord is coming and it's not gonna be a good day for a lot of people. But he can be found. You're gonna see that the real issue in in Josiah and Zephaniah's day was that people stopped fearing God, they stopped listening and searching after him with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. Don't shriek back. Get your eyes on the prize. Careful what you see, what your little eyes see, what your little ears hear. We're the ones that are called to repent. As leaders and followers of Christ, we must make this message clear to the world around us. Preach the word. Stop living self-centered. Don't be self-righteous. Stay humble, stay broken, and open your mouth. And if Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff gets put away or God tells you to delete it, for some, somehow God made it millions, not millions, but thousands of years without it, and the gospel went all over the world. God always has a better way. God's judgment's actually gonna pave the way for a new kingdom where justice will prevail and all of humanity will worship the Lord. But we must remain confident for God will make every crooked path straight and every right wrong. He will do it. The book of Zephaniah is a three-chapter book filled with poetic language that summarizes the prophet's message. And I'm gonna summarize it for you today. I don't have time to go through the entire book, but I'm gonna summarize the three chapters for you because this is a prophetic word for this church and for this hour. Chapter one brings into focus the day of the Lord's judgment, specifically on Jerusalem. The whole chapter is aimed at Jerusalem. And when I talk about Jerusalem, I'm putting us right in there because we're grafted in. We are seeds 
of Abraham because of Jesus. Genesis 12 made a promise to all the nations, a covenant promise. Just as God will deal with them, he'll deal with us. Zephaniah 1.6 talks about the day of the Lord, a day where everything will be consumed and destroyed because the people have turned back from following the Lord and have not sought the Lord nor inquired of him. Catch that. One of the greatest things I can teach you is to hear God's voice and to be spirit-led. And if you don't know how to hear God's voice, let me remind you, you got 66 books of promise and hope and direct instruction, and on top of that, God breathes his word. You're never without the opportunity to hear God and what God's saying. More often than not, we're not listening and we don't get into the secret place and we're not trusting and we have shame holding us back and we're in condemnation, but Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood to break that condemnation. You can hear God's voice, make it your priority and seek the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Zephaniah goes on to say that all the economy is gonna collapse due to corrupt merchants. Complacent leaders will have their lamps snuffed out, their homes will become desolate, and their vineyards will produce no wine. Verse 14 says that it's a day that is great and hastens quickly, a day of bitterness where mighty men cry out in anguish and pain. It's a day of wrath. A lot of people don't understand the wrath of the Lord, but in God's love is God's judgment. In God's love is his anger against sin and destruction that hurts innocent people. So God pours out his wrath and it's all designed for a purpose to purify and bring people back to the Lord. But this day that's coming, if people don't turn, is gonna be a bad day. It's gonna be a day of bitterness, a day of distress, desolation. This is, I'm summarizing chapter one for you. Desolation, gloominess, and darkness. Men will walk blindly and nothing will save them, not even their money. The wealthiest of the wealthiest that think they can buy their comforts and hide in their houses and their mansions and hide from the day of the vengeance of the Lord, nothing will. What I'd like to find is some really wealthy men that are on fire for Jesus and will never shrink back or hide. I know a few. When the going gets tough, they rise up. And I'm not just talking about building a bunker loaded with ARs. And I'm not saying you shouldn't have some preparation in place for what's coming down the line, but I'm not living in fear. And even if you have a bunker in ARs, step up your game and preach the gospel more boldly and loudly. Don't walk in fear and shame. Chapter two focuses on the judgment of the nations and again, Jerusalem. So chapter two starts out with, with God saying he's gonna judge all of the nations and then he even comes back to Jerusalem again. It's a reiteration of how important it is that God's people live holy and upright and be the standard and don't do what the world does. And God's patient, you'll slip back, you'll fall, but even when a righteous man falls seven times, pick yourself back up one more time, show up, keep worshiping, keep trusting, get in the word. You can't behavior, behavior modify yourself to holiness. The only way you can become holy is by denying yourself, taking up your cross, and keep your eyes on Jesus. And get into relationship with people that'll cheer you on. That'll be your greatest cheerleaders. That'll be people that will pull you up instead of pulling you down. And those friends that pull you down and drag you back, cut them off. Change your number, whatever you gotta do. Tell them not to call you again because they're, if they're influencing you in the wrong way, you're gonna need a season of a break. That's what happened to me. I had to cut off all the things I loved the most for a good long time. And if you think you're gonna be a Moses going back, Moses was in the wilderness for 40 years before God called him back to Egypt. Some of you are like, you got saved and now you think you're gonna go to the bars and rescue everybody. And when you go to the bar, you do a shot. Next thing you know, you're on the pole. You gotta get a root system more than a belief system. Your belief system will never sustain you. You better get a root system. Get root systems. Come on, dig deep. Cultivate water, fertilizer, sunlight, friendships, strength, worship.
even in chapter two, the prophet Zephaniah says, there's always hope in the midst of darkness, of time, the darkest of times. And when the hearts of men have gone astray, the instruction is this. This is what's so cool about chapter two. It starts out with saying, look, it's gonna be bad. But what I want you to do is gather together and seek the Lord before the day comes. Those who are meek and have upheld justice and you will be protected. Zephaniah 2.3, seek the Lord, all you meek of the earth who have upheld justice, his justice. Seek righteousness, seek humility. It may be that you will be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. This is why gathering is so important. I made a decision after the first seven weeks, this church is gonna gather. And I know a lot of people are homesick and a lot of people have real struggles and challenges with the fact that this church keeps, keeps meeting in the midst of COVID outbreaks. But I wanna make sure that everybody understands whether no matter what, this church must make its voice heard and take a stand. Now, I wanna say a few things. Number one, for everybody that's watching online that still hasn't felt comfortable to come back or is homesick, or is uncertain about gathering, I love you and I have no problem with you watching online. You're a part of this family. I care about you and I've never made anybody feel bad about not gathering, ever. Second of all, if social distancing and wearing masks is, is something that you wanna do, I have no problem with that, none. I've never made anybody feel bad about that. If you wanna wear a mask, wear a mask. I'm not gonna mandate masks here. You have the freedom to do it or not and nobody's gonna make you feel bad. And if they do, come see me. I'm not okay with that. But there is an assault now and coming against the church gathering. And I understand people are saying, man, you're not walking in love when you keep meeting, you keep gathering, you're a reckless church. No, we're not. I've helped over, I don't know, 55 to 60 people get over COVID and we're helping another 20 or 30 right now. Okay? We are fighters and we fight together as a family. We rescue people's lives and we bring hope in the midst of darkness. Because when people get isolated, especially throw in sickness and they get alone, the devil is a master at picking off people's lives. Suicide rates, divorce rates, domestic violence, violence rates are through the roof. Even God says, gather, do not forsake the assembly. I know some of you will be back when you, after you quarantine and some of you that are higher risk that are choosing to stay home until the COVID storm passes, I'm great with that. I love you. Keep watching online. We're family. We're here for you. We'll do whatever we can for you. But this church must gather. God even says, gather before the day. He says, seek the Lord, all you meek of the earth. It's important that you see this. Pull that scripture back up. Zephaniah 2.3 basically says, seek the Lord, you meek of the earth. Look who gets covered in the day of the Lord. The meek, those who upheld justice, and those who seek righteousness. You see that. Those are the ones that in the day of the Lord will be covered and protected. And those are the ones that I will label today as a remnant church. It's a remnant church. My prayer is, God, have mercy on our land and protect us under the shadow of your wing. May we be your faithful remnant. You know what a remnant is? I'm gonna define it for you. A remnant defined in the Webster's Dictionary is a small minority of people who remain faithful to God and so will be saved in times of trouble, especially the great and terrible day of the Lord. It's a small people that are left that never sold out. Don't sell out. This is the time to rise up and be bold as lions and to have strong strength in the day of adversity. Set your face like flint and full speed ahead with joy and gladness. Even if I'm singing a funeral song, it's bad. Weep. Your heart should hurt. You should feel the burden of the reproach of others. I'm gonna show you in the scripture where God says, those that are being reproached that you have a burden for, one day I'm gonna make them the leaders of the strong nation. The eight-year-old Josiahs. The prophet goes on to prophesy against other nations at large for their corruption, their violence, their pride. So God then speaks to all the nations of the world. 
They're corrupt, violent, prideful, arrogant against God and his people. You need to know, Psalm 2 makes it very clear, the nations rage and plot a vain thing against you and me and Jesus. But God says, I'm gonna hold them in derision. I'll actually laugh at them and with the rod of my mouth, I'll smite them. Why are we worried and afraid? God's always got a better, bigger plan. But if it means you're gonna be judged and even martyred, lay your life down. Jesus even said to his own disciples, some of you are going to die for the gospel, not protect and preserve your lives. And after he prophesies to the nations, he goes back to Jerusalem. He says to his own people, I don't even recognize you. You become just like them in forsaking me. It's a pretty bad situation. But here comes the hope and the promise right in the midst of chapter two. In the midst of some pretty intense prophecies, God gives a prophecy to Rock City Church. He gives a prophecy to this city. It's not just us, but I'll take hold of it. Here it is, Zephaniah 2.6. The seacoast shall be pastures with shelters for shepherds and folds for flocks. The coast shall be for the remnant of the house of Judah. They shall feed their flocks there. In the houses of Ashkelon, they shall lie down at evening. For the Lord their God will intervene for them and return their captives. You know what Ashkelon is? It's a city. It was a city in the Philistine territory on the seacoast. I'll paraphrase it for you. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. Though it may get crazy and it may get hard, God's always got a better plan. And he says, look, the coastlands will become a place where the hurting, the broken, you know what's very unique about Rock City Church? A lot of very broken, hurt, outcasts, used up and spit out worship leaders and shepherds and pastors and are gonna come here and find pasture. And they're gonna feed, they're gonna drink from cisterns and find refreshed and love. And they're gonna see what real family looks like. In fact, when guests come, like at the New Year's conference, every one of them, when they leave, they go, I've never seen a church like this. I've never seen the strength of family, the unity, the structure, the health, the atmosphere. And you know why it's this way? Because of these kind of messages on a Sunday morning when you show up one more time or you watch one more time. Because when the conference comes, it's, man, it's wild, right? Baptism's awesome. We're celebrating. We're seeing the fruit of our labor. You know, we have a baptism. You want to see the, the fruit of this house, go watch Sunday night's baptism. Drug addicts, meth addicts, strippers, dancers, moms, dads, Southside, Port Aransas, sitting, all walks of life, ex-gangbangers, you name it. It's a picture of the kingdom. But it came in the one more time. It came in the faithfulness when everything was crumbling around you, you stayed true. And you invited your friend and you invited your neighbor and you reached out to that drug addict. And when they walked in, God gripped them. And even if those don't wanna come, you're the one that's the voice to them outside of this church. And every single person in this sanctuary or listening to the voice to my voice through this camera knows somebody that does not know the Lord living a destructive life, spinning out, hurting, broken, or a family member and we cannot afford to not be the ones that make our voice heard for them. God's keeping us in obscurity for a reason. But it won't always be so. The harvest is coming. Ready or not, here he comes. Look at the scripture. The seacoast will become pastures and shelters for shepherds and folds for flocks. God promises his remnant will possess the waste places. And, verse 11, that the Lord will be awesome to them and he will reduce to nothing all the gods of the earth. People will do what? Each one from his place, indeed, is it just for Corpus Christi? All the shores of all the nations. So when I say to you, this nation belongs to the Lord, I'm not giving you a nice accolade. But the way it gets there, the way God will purify, don't think for a second God doesn't want United States of America. 
And it may seem like darkness is prevailing, right? But God has a remnant. And who's this guy? Who's God really have his eye on? Say tag, I'm it. Not all of you said that. Let's say it again. (laughs) Say tag, I'm it. Oh, God's networking his kingdom right now. He's putting people together that you never, ever thought would ever talk. God, God is the ultimate master of his resources. You think God doesn't, that we're the little old subculture? Heck no. We may be a small remnant, but we're not the subculture. Let's jump to chapter three. This is where I get really excited. You guys doing okay? Chapter three focuses on the hope that remains for the nations and Jerusalem after the impending judgment happens. He will gather together all the nations, including Jerusalem, and he's gonna pour out his burning indignation. God's justice will be a consuming fire that will devour the land. It's coming. He makes it clear in the first section of chapter three that the prophets, the priests, the judges, and the princes are all corrupt. They're violent and they're polluted, but that he's not. It's important that you see the contrast. Verse five, Zephaniah 3, 5. Even in the midst of it all, the Lord is what? He's righteous. And what does he do? Nothing that's unrighteousness. Every morning, everybody say every morning. morning. Not in a week, not in a month. How often does God bring justice to light? Every morning. Does he ever fail? But the unjust, they know no shame. Then he goes on to say that the real issue is that the core root is his people don't fear God. It's verse seven. They don't fear God nor receive his instruction. That's why the greatest thing I wanna put inside of you is to be instructed by the Lord. This is decentralized leadership. Church doesn't revolve around me. It revolves around him. That's why you need each other because I'm not gonna be the guy that's always there meeting with you for coffee to counsel you through your hardship. I will for some, and I'll give it the best that I've got. But you need each other. You need the person sitting next to you, the couple sitting next to you. We need strong marriages. Marriages need to go through this marriage uh, workshop. You get in relationship, you need to live holy, you need to have the fear of God, you need to receive the instruction of the Lord. It's the number one thing that God had an issue with. You can do it. You can do it. I believe in you. We discover something really powerful in chapter three. God's judgment's not aimed. That's what I want you to see. God's judgment is not actually aimed at destroying people, but rather purifying the nations in Jerusalem. God being a consuming fire is designed, the fire is designed to purify you. The baptism of the Holy Spirit's number one purpose, more than the gifts and the power, is purification. Because what good are the gifts and the power if you're all jacked up, right? So the fire purifies and cleanses us and makes us more like him. We need to be filled with the consuming fire of God. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, if we would judge ourselves, we won't come into the judgment of the world. That's why you check yourself now. Check yourself before you I'm serious. Repent. Kingdom of God is at hand. God would make a promise to heal and transform the nations into one unified family. Do you know God wants to bring all the nations together as one? Have you ever thought how in the world? Iran, Saudi Arabia, North Korea... Because when God shows up on the scene to judge the nations and purifies them, he brings us all together as one. I'm going to show you that. It's a covenant. It's the fulfillment of God's covenant promise to Abraham. Genesis 12. All the nations, like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, it's coming. Woo! 
Now, how we get there is going to be hardship and adversity and trench fighting. But what's important for you? Get under the shadow of his wing. Get into the cleft of the rock. God's God's judgment and justice always brings about restoration, specifically the restoration of Jerusalem and his people. His presence will be in his restored city, and the faithful remnant who have been humbled and transformed by God's mercy will be there. There would be singing and rejoicing in the hearts of of his people, but not only that, God himself will sing and rejoice over his people. He would actually celebrate over us with songs of joy. God would then promise to gather the outcasts and the poor into his family. The broken would be exalted into a place of honor. So I'm gonna close by reading to you some of the scriptures in chapter three that back that up, and then I'm gonna pray. All right? Let's turn to the word right now, Zephaniah 3, 9. For then I will restore to the peoples a pure language. This is the nations. That they all may call on the name of the Lord to serve him with one accord. Verse 12, I will leave in your midst a meek and humble people and they shall trust in the name of the Lord. The remnant of Israel shall do no unrighteousness and speak no lies, nor shall a deceitful tongue be found in their mouth. For they shall feed their flocks and lie down, and no one shall make them afraid. Us. God would take away our judgments and cast our enemy, cast out our enemy. He's what he goes on to say. He would remove idolatry from our lips and hearts, and the weak will be strong, and there'll be no more fear. Verse 17. The Lord your God is in your midst. The mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. To rejoice means he'll celebrate you. He will quiet you with his love. That means I'm peaceful, I'm rested, my heart's aflame, and I have total trust. This can all be right now. He will rejoice over you with singing. God sings. God sings songs over your life. So we're worshiping and rejoicing, and he's worshiping and rejoicing, And it's going back and forth from heaven to earth. And on earth, suddenly what's going on around the throne is happening on earth. He will gather those who, I want you to really watch this. For those of you that are hurting, for those that are hurting, I want you to see this. I'll gather those who sorrow over the appointed assembly who are among you to whom its reproach is a burden. Behold, at that time, I will deal with all who afflict you, and I will save the lame. I will gather those who were driven out. I will appoint them for praise and fame in every land where they were put to shame. So wherever there's people being put to shame, there'll be praise and fame. At that time, I will bring you back, even at the time I gather you, for I will give you fame and praise among all the peoples of the earth when I return your captives before your eyes, says the Lord. Though this may be directly spoken to Jerusalem and God's people, I want to reiterate this is a promise for you and me. And God has now turned to the nations of the world and to his remnant, those that are uncompromising, unmoving, unmoving, unshaken, standing firm on the rock, passionately in love with Jesus, worshiping extravagantly, that pursue holiness, that even when you fail and make mistakes, you pick yourself up and you run back after the Lord and you keep showing up. Because God does what God does best, doesn't he? When you were here for a long time, smoking pot and not fired up and not, oh, sorry, I just fronted you out right now. Hey, it's your testimony. And when you were in, not really all in you and your husband and you were here and it's like, man, you sat in these services just kind of looking at me and then not really all in and then you disappeared. But one day you showed back up. And that day when you showed back got up, God lit the pilot light again. And now your life is like a fiery furnace bringing heat and love to everyone around you. And your testimony will set the captives free. And your boldness and your love and your confidence, even as a city employee and on Facebook and a part of this church, God is going to use you so mightily because you're so radically in love with him. Come on. You, you never back down. I get it. You don't think you're going to get into battles without scars and some arrows and some blood and some cuts? I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. 
Jesus didn't say, man, you're going to have the easiest life filled with rose petals. Rejoice. You're going to walk on tippy toes as a ballet Christian dancer. (laughs) Not what he said. He said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. But rejoice because I've overcome the world. Greater is he that's than anything that's in the world. My prayer today is that we would be the remnant church and that God would raise up a remnant church. My prayer today is that this church would live meek and righteous and pursue righteousness and live holy. They'd stop living in compromise, that you would live a life of purity and holiness under the Lord, that you'd build right relationships, that you would be bold. We're gonna rescue our nation. What happened on December 6th from what you see on the media is nothing but lies and deceit. And those few people that stormed the Capitol don't represent you and me. Make sure you understand that. And just because somebody calls themselves a Christian doesn't mean they really are a Christian. The problem is, is you're gonna be labeled with guilt by association. But it doesn't matter because I know who I am. You need to know who you are. I'm not that crazy guy wearing the bullhorn standing inside the Capitol building. Those people tried to, that was a deceptive plan of the enemy to destroy you and me and destroy those who fight for our nation and fight for truth. You better believe I'm gonna fight for this nation. And you better believe we're gonna make our voice heard. God needs confident leaders. If I shrink back, I will become just like the people of Zephaniah's day. So will you. I'm not apathetic and cynical towards the world. I realize it's a jacked up system that's not, that now today isn't what it was when it started. That's the problem. So you got people that are even a part of this church fighting for it to be what it was supposed to be and to keep it what it was supposed to be. But it seems like the pendulum's swinging the other way. But guess who's gonna fight for life and stand against abortion? Guess who's gonna keep repenting? Guess who's gonna call up political leaders in our own city and say, where do you stand? And if you stand against unrighteousness, you don't have just me to reckon with, you got an army of Rock City and a church in the city to reckon with. Because I'm not the only one there's a lot of pastors in this city that are not, will not shrink back. You're not alone. We're not alone. We're not a little sissy Peter Pan church. This isn't the magic kingdom. It's the kingdom of God. Yeah. So I love you a lot. If you have questions or problems with anything I said today, email me. Call the office. I don't care. I'll talk with you. Email melody (laughs) at rockcitycorpus.com. Now we pray. Prayer is so important. Let me have somebody on, on an instrument up here. Anybody, somewhere. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to repent. You're living in sin and compromise. Time to repent. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. And even if you shrink back, keep getting yourself up and showing up, but make the decision. I don't want to build my life, my future marriage, or my family on a cracked foundation or unrighteousness. Get your eyes off the world. Stop putting your hope in the things of this world. Cut the tentacles that have you wrapped up and bound up with what's happening in the world. Listen to truth. Make your voice heard. Persecution's gonna come, so get ready now. Be more resilient. Be proactive, not reactive. Okay? So let's all stand. Lord, make us Josiahs that don't, we don't want to, and like Josiah ended. We don't want to have pride. Lord, forgive us for being prideful. Don't let Rock City Church become prideful, Lord. We humble ourselves in your sight. We seek your face. We repent for our own wicked ways. Lust, sin, fornication, alcohol, drugs, selling ourselves short. I'm sorry, Lord. Have mercy. Please, God, have mercy. 
Come on, everybody watching online, everybody here today, agree with me in this prayer. Lord, we cry out for mercy and we repent. As in the days of Zephaniah, have mercy, God. Purify us, consume us with your fire now. Lord, I don't wanna live in anything less than your best. We wanna rescue the orphans and the fatherless, the widows. Lord, you've raised us up for such a time as this to rescue the outcasts. And our burden is for those that are being reproached. Reproach is everywhere in this land. Injustice is everywhere in our land. God, as a leader in your church, Lord, as a pastor, I repent if I've in any way fallen short of your glory, your honor, and not been bold. And I repent uh, on behalf of the leaders and the pastors of our city, of this nation. God, have mercy on us for not truly preaching the gospel, being bold and being confident, and taking people to the cross. Lord, may the cross be front and center laying our lives down and casting our crowns at your feet. God, I wanna thank you for mercy and grace and we humble ourselves and may we never become prideful or think ourselves to be something more than we are. Lord, may we make ourselves of no reputation. You know what you wanna do here. Do it your way and your time. We pray for our nation, God. We pray that you would truly heal our nation, not with good words or behavior modification, but with the life and power of God. Lord, I call forth revival to the United States of America. I care about the other nations, but God, this is the one you put us in. You knew we needed to be here right now. Take away the anger and the apathy and the cynicism out of our hearts, Lord. I want you to repent right now if you've been angry. Come on. I want you, everybody here to take a moment to repent. All of you watching online right now. Just close your eyes and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I've been so angry, I've been so bitter, I'm mad about what's happening in our nation. I'm mad about the lies and the deceit and the injustices, the death of children, fatherlessness, the destruction of the family. And if I've been a part of that in any way, Lord, I'm sorry. Come on, take responsibility. Sorry for inaccurately judging your people. Put this nation in your hands, God. Put this country in in your hands and I'll do my part. Say that, I'll do my part. Lord, we pray for all those in leadership. And in the natural, it seems like they're just the worst and the most wicked people. But God, I know that you can save the heart of a man and a woman. So God, we pray for our country and everyone in leadership. Save our mayors, our city council members, our county judges, our president. Save all in his cabinet. Vice president, save her. God, in Jesus' name, have mercy upon us and may we rise as bright shining torches in the midst of a world of great darkness. Lord, heal your church, God, make your church one. We know until we become unified in one, we can never bring the world into unity with us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that the best is yet to come even in what seems like some very difficult days. I thank you, God, for wisdom that you'll hide and protect us under the shadow of your wing. Dwell in the secret place, beloved. Dwell in the shadow of his wing and keep your eyes on the perfect flame of God, the Holy Spirit. Get wisdom, get understanding, get guidance. I come against fear, fear of COVID, fear of death. 
I declare everybody that's sick, that's a part of this church and even in our city will live and not die. I come against the spirit of death and the bondage of the fear of death. I declare you'll live, you'll come out stronger and you'll be more resilient than you were before. May everybody see the faithfulness and the goodness of God in the midst of adversity and hardship. May your strength never fail in the day of adversity. And for those of you that are sick, I speak comfort and strength and healing to you in the blood of Jesus, the presence of God in your homes. May your home be a true sanctuary. May the glory of the Lord as a fire, a wall of fire surround us and be in us. And I thank you, Jesus, for your love and your power. And I thank you for unity in our common unity, our community. I bless you all. Peace and wisdom, life, strength. As we march into 2021 and beyond, we march with confidence. We march in order. We march in line. We surround the spiritual walls of Jericho. We let out a shout and blow the trumpets and we Stand firm on your promises, and Lord, you'll do the rest. I bless you all with great peace, health, strength, mercy, forgiveness, safety, health, and divine protection, supernatural dreams and visions in the night, confidence and boldness to never be afraid. I bless you all mightily as you go today. In Jesus' name. Amen. I love you all. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. Thank you all for being here this morning. We'll see you on Wednesday.